Hello everyone and welcome to our Threshold podcast. We are so happy that you have taken time to join us today and we pray that you will be absolutely encouraged by the plethora of messages and encouraging words that we share here in our church. Threshold is a family of believers based in East Riding of Yorkshire in the wonderful city of Hull and our head pastors are Pastor Deborah and Philip Banda. Be blessed. going to deal with that. The key of prophetic intercession in participating in the glory of season or the season of glory. We've talked about the season of glory. I'm just going to uh, endeavor to do like a, a kind of a, a study. So I'm going to read a few proverbs and, and then explain some things. So uh, the key of prophetic intercession. Let me define what we're talking about. In Ezekiel chapter 37, I'm not going to read it. There's a story of Ezekiel and, 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 and God. God picks Ezekiel and puts him in a valley and shows him a problem. The problem is God, God has got a problem with what's going on. So he shows him in the spirit what the problem was. Now, if you read in context, what you find is God's problem was that the children of Israel were saying that God had left them, that they were now, uh, their mouth was speaking and saying now they they were dead as dry bones and there was no hope for them. And God had a problem with that, with what they were saying. So he takes a prophet called Ezekiel and and, uh, and takes him into the valley and shows him in the spirit what had become of what they were saying? Are you with me? The valley of dry bones existed because of what they were saying. They were saying, we are dead. We have become like dry bones. There is no hope for us. And so God picked a prophet and put him in the valley and showed him. He says, this is my problem. Why does he pick the prophet Ezekiel? Because we know by calling the prophet Ezekiel is an intercessor for Israel. So Ezekiel is on this side crying for the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel is on this side saying our hope is lost. So you see what's happening? He's interceding this side and the people are saying we are like dry bones. And so God looks at his prophet as the prophet is interceding and says, let me show you what's really going on. So he takes the prophet in the spirit and shows him the valley of dry bones. And he asks the intercessor this question. Can these bones leave? Now you understand the context of that question. Why is he asking him? Because Ezekiel is an intercessor for the nation of Israel. He's been praying for this nation. He's been prophesying to this nation about the word of God and what God must do. See, the king is coming and all this stuff. He's prophesying and he's declaring things. Now God takes him and asks him the question, can these bones? I don't know whether at this point Ezekiel understands what those bones represent because later on God had to explain to him these bones are the children of Israel. 
And Ezekiel says, I don't know, God. In the spirit of an intercessor, he says, I don't know. Because an intercessor intercedes, really, in, in a literal sense, on behalf of people before God. So in the spirit of an intercessor, he says, I don't know. Only you know. Only you can do something about this. Because Ezekiel's posture is this. I can intercede. And you can do something about it. But then as you continue to watch the discourse, you begin to realize God had, was changing gears. You know? He was taking Ezekiel from that place of intercession and trying to bring him to another place. To a higher place of intercession. So God tend to Ezekiel and said, prophesy to these bonds, son of man. I like the fact that he calls him son of man. I just like the fact that he doesn't, he doesn't say prophesy super prophet. You know, because then we would all say, oh, okay. He's a super prophet. Most accurate one, prophesy. No, he says, son of man. Prophesy, son of man. And when God calls you, Jesus himself called himself son of man. Yeah. The people called him the son of God, he called himself son of man. When God, why? When he's using that title, it is to make sure we understand that this belongs to human beings. All human beings can do this. So when Jesus calls himself the son of man, he's, got, he's trying to say to us, you also can do these things that I'm doing. I'm not doing them because... I am God. I'm doing them because I have been sent by God. Those are two different things. And most people have understood Christ because they understand Christ, or misunderstood Christ, I mean. Because they only understand Jesus as God. And, but everything Jesus did, he did as a human being. Sent by God. In obedience to God. To the point of death. Even death on the cross. That's what the Bible says. So when he says. Son of man. Prophesy. He's trying to help me. And you to understand. That this is a job. Of human beings. Huh? So he says to Ezekiel. Prophesy to the bonds. And Ezekiel begins to prophesy to the bonds and, and he begins to say, come together. You know, I'm not reading the whole thing, but I'm trying to just grab a concept out of that. I will get into that scripture a lot more as we go into the next year. We will really stay on it for quite a bit. But now I'm just trying to drag this concept out of this. Prophetic intercession. God brings him into a place where he's still working on behalf of Israel. But now he's not pleading with God to do something about Israel. Now he's prophesying and accomplishing the things that he has been praying for. I'll repeat that because some of you have missed it. God has brought him into a place now where he's still interceding for Israel. Ezekiel. But he's not pleading with God for Israel anymore. He is now answering his own prayers, if you like. Because God has given him some authority to say, you prophesy. It's like God is saying to him, what you have been praying for, now you prophesy. I'm here. 
Yeah? Amazing, right? It's like when you were saying, I want to drive, I want to drive, I want to drive, and then, and, then, and, and, and then one day your dad or your mom or whoever it is took you in their car and said, you're old enough now, let's, let's drive, you know? What? Now you drive, and, and you, can, you understand at that point you can only drive because they are there. That's what happens with Ezekiel. He begins to prophesy because God is right in the valley with him. So everything he says, comes to pass. What does that teach you? As a human being, when God is with you, when God is on you, that's all you need. Whatever you say goes. Are you with me? (laughs) Whatever you say goes. When God is on you, whatever you say goes. I'm telling you. I'm not going to mention where, but I went to a house recently, and I laid hands on a, on, a, on a family picture, just laid hands on the family picture of all the children in that home. I laid hands, and I prophesied the season has shifted. I hear marriages coming to this house. The next day, <laughs> yeah, it's serious. The next day. The next day, somebody who doesn't talk about marriage and was not there, one of the family members of that house was not there and doesn't talk about marriage. The next day, cause a meeting. I found someone. <laughs> I'm serious. When God is in you, you prophesy. Amen. Amen. This thing we're talking about. When the Bible says in Isaiah 60, Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. That season we are in, you, you, I don't know, they're not very good words I can use, but it is foolishness not to prophesy things. The season we are in, it is foolishness not to declare things. Not to stand up and begin to declare the will of God over your house, over your family. It's foolishness. The season we are in, you you need to, God is on you. Get out and begin to do the work that you've been praying for. It's a shift. Are you with me? Ezekiel, you've been praying. Now, prophesy. You need to prophesy your business into being. If you sit and keep waiting for the opportunity to happen, you do know you've got an enemy. Our father himself created the heavens and the earth by declaring. What other example do you want? It's like, it's like, like I did, you do. That's why I make you like me. himself. So we can do what he does. So you got to prophesy these things. Hmm? I know some of you are waiting for your prophecies to come to pass. Let me tell you the best way to wait. Begin to declare them. Begin to declare them. Begin to prophesy them. Begin to declare them. Begin to prophesy them. The ministry. The house. 
the family, the business, your impact in the kingdom of God, whatever. Just begin to declare what the Lord has revealed to you. Prophetic intercession. He's still praying for Israel, but the season has God himself takes him in the spirit and says, see this valley of dry bones. What can happen here? And God says, prophesy to the bones. As you look through that scripture, it's also amazing that God says to him, prophesy to the wind. Because after he's finished prophesying to the bones and, and the bones are now, are now, and have now got flesh and, and everything on them and muscles and all that stuff, and, and, and they're still not alive. And God says to him, now prophesy to the wind. Do you know the word used for wind is ruach? Interchangeably, it's wind or spirit. God is telling Ezekiel to prophesy to the spirit. But you've seen this picture before. Genesis 1, verse 1, the beginning. Yeah? The earth was formless, void. The darkness covered the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God spoke, let there be. I think he's speaking to the Holy Spirit. I think he's speaking to the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was accused... In Mark, he was accused that he's casting out demons by Beelzebub. He says, you have blasphemed against the Holy Spirit. Because this is where come, he, he, what he's trying to say is, when I speak to a demon out, you think I'm speaking to a demon out, but it's the Holy Spirit who does the work, so who am I speaking to really? Are you catching something there? So when God, when God says to, to Ezekiel, prophesy to the wind, and Ezekiel says, come wind, come, come. Since when did wind give life? It, have you been to a funeral? And if it was windy, the dead rise? No, seriously, since when did wind raise the dead? It's the Spirit of God who gives life. That's what the Bible says, right? Mm. So when when he's prophesying to the wind, some translations have the spirit. If he's prophesying to the spirit, the spirit is coming and is raising now this army. Actually, God himself explains. The dry bones are the children of Israel because of what they have been saying. The wind is the spirit. So Ezekiel prophesied to the dry bones and he prophesied to the Holy Spirit. I'm taking you somewhere. Season is shifted. As you're going to be, to participate in the season of glory, you're going to learn to do these things. Now, you have to learn how to do it. Okay, it's not just something you go out there and just begin to say, you know. Learn it, because it's true. It has to be learned in scripture. You have to see how the Father does it. That's how Jesus said. The things you see me do, is I, I see what the Father is doing. So you have to see how the father does it. And because of the way the father does it, you learn also how to do it. So Ezekiel prophesies to the dry bones, and then he prophesies to the wind. 
There's going to be a moment when you're going to have to speak to your business. And there's going to be a moment when you're going to have to speak to the Holy Spirit. And you've got to learn how to do it. Hello? Because you can't speak to the Holy Spirit unless you're going to speak the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is not a servant that is here to do your bidding. He's God. So it's something you learn. You're going to learn how to do that. Are you with me? But you're going to build your participation in the season of glory by learning prophetic intercession. Now this is what I'm calling prophetic intercession. Where you step into your situation and begin to now declare what the Lord has revealed to you. Or begin to declare what you've been praying for. Mm -hmm. Now let's read a few scriptures. Proverbs 25 verse 2, the New International Version says, prophetic intercession. Uh, It says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. (laughs) Let me read the the the, 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 the the passion translation. It says, God conceals the revelation of his word in the hiding place of his glory. But the honor of kings is revealed by how they thoroughly search out the deeper meaning of all that God says. Are you with me? So, you can read this scripture and understand that just because God says something does not mean you're going to experience it. Because God hides this, His revelation in His glory. The best picture I can give you is the picture of manna. When the children of Israel ate manna. You know manna in the New Testament is translated as the bread of heaven. And the bread of heaven is Christ. The revelation of Christ was hidden in the manna. The other way you understand it, when the manna came, it came in a mist. No one would see it drop. It came in a mist. The mist would drop and then lift and then there is bread. God hides revelation When I say revelation, I mean the highest form of knowledge that you need in His glory. I've talked about knowledge, right? Like, you know, three levels of knowledge. I think I've talked about that before. The revelation knowledge is is, is like, it's it's key. It's very key. We all need that. It's the revelation that Christ is a king that makes people free. That Christ is a Messiah, sorry, that sets people free. Just the revelation. Have you thought about it? It's a revelation. It's not, it's, it's not historical accuracy. It, it, it's nothing. It, it, the revelation. When you get the revelation that Christ is the Messiah, you are free. You are saved. Right there. Revelation knowledge is the most powerful knowledge you can ever receive. Because it, it changes you instantly. Revelation, instantly. This is when people experience heaven. I'm yet to go there. But when people experience heaven, they talk about this a lot. Of in heaven, you, you don't call for things. 
You think them and they appear. Okay. I remember, you know, when we were chatting with Triumph, our friend, you know Triumph, yeah? And, and she's telling us, you know what? When I thought of a question, the answer came. So, so she, said, she says, I had so many conversations with this man that was, making, was leading me in heaven. But nobody was opening their mouth. We were not, I wasn't talking. <laughs> awesome, right? That's revelation knowledge. When, it, when you receive revelation knowledge, it happens right there and then. Saved. Ah, oh, but this man is a murderer. Saved. Right there and then. You cannot understand what revelation knowledge is the highest form of knowledge. When it hits, things have changed. So imagine revelation knowledge in business. Revelation knowledge in whatever you do in life, whatever God has given you. Shift. You go to bed a different man, you wake up a different man. Have you ever had that such a moment? Maybe there's something really bothering you and you're praying and, and you're seeking God and then you go to bed and then God just shows you something in the night, in a dream. He shows you something. You wake up. You wake up different. You wake up very different. Even your step changes. Because you, know, you now understand. It's hard to explain revelation knowledge, but it is that knowledge that creates the reality. Now. So some of you have received prophecies. That's not, you, it's not even at revelation knowledge level. Because when your prophetic word becomes a revelation to you, hey, <laughs> that's when you change. You know? Now, you know, if you've not really understood it, it doesn't become a revelation to you, don't give up. Just keep praying it in. Keep praying it in. Keep praying, God, what is this? What is this? And keep seeking God. Keep seeking God. But, you know, because when it becomes a revelation to you, this weekend we were in Wolverhampton and I've been trying to do something with, with um, uh, you know, like talk to Pastor Steve about some things that, that I feel the Lord showed me many, like two years ago, you know? But I never quite understood it. Uh, exactly what it was. So I didn't have the urgency for it. Do you get me? So on Saturday, on, on Friday... There was a guy preaching, uh, his name is Phil Wilthew, he's a prophet. And, and, and Phil, at the end of the service, began to give prophetic words to different people. So he's giving prophetic words from the, from the podium. And there's about 200, 300 people. So he's giving prophetic words. Then he stops and he says, now I'm going to release a prophetic word over this house and the movement uh, of all nations. And when he begins to release this word, suddenly, <coughs> revelation knowledge hits where I'm standing. And I go, so at the end of the session, I run to Steve and I'm like, I see it, man. And he says, what? <laughs> I'm explaining to him, you don't remember what I saw two years ago? Now I get it. He says, wow. What are you going to do then? Like, I'm, it's done. I get it now. So it's done. And so we just left laughing and you soon you hear some of those developments as we move ahead. But it's done because I saw it. Like when you see it, revelation knowledge just, it's done. And, and I think yesterday we were talking and he's saying to, he's saying to me, you know, you know those things, 
amazing what God has done with you that you stole that. Because I've heard, it, I've heard it many times. It's not the first time I was hearing that. I've heard it many times. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. It's nothing to do with first time either for me. It's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's not just, just revelation knowledge. It's important to keep praying. No wonder Prophet says, with your getting, get understanding. It's important. If there is some prophetic words you have received or there's some things that you don't quite understand about what God has said, keep, keep praying for understanding. I want understanding. I want understanding of this matter. Be like Daniel. You know, the way Daniel would pray for understanding until an angel is dispatched. You know? Just, just keep praying for understanding. That's what you need. Don't give up. Don't start. Pray for understanding. Because sometimes we start or we give up. You make a false start. It will just hurt you. You know, and, and you haven't lived until you've made a few false, false starts, right? And, you know, I think most of us have done it. You, you make a false start. God is telling me this. You go, bam, you go, you come back. Ah. Was it God or was it not God? Of course it was God, but you didn't have revelation of it. So don't give up. Maybe let me encourage someone here. Don't give up. <laughs> Don't give up. Get back and understand what he meant. And understand what he said. Then you'll be amazed. The same thing. The same thing. You touch it again. Nothing can resist a person with revelation knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's like the consultant surgeon or whatever, heart surgeon or what do they call it, cardiologist. The consultant, you know, because has greater knowledge than the others, right? You can't just be a consultant by reading books, right? You've got to have a lot of hours of practice. So experience knowledge, experiential knowledge, which is the second highest form of knowledge. The consultant has that. So because the consultant has that, the consultant has a higher voice in the operating room. Right? Than the junior doctor. The person with revelation knowledge has the highest voice. Nothing can resist when you get a revelation. Not the bank. Nothing can resist when you get a revelation. So let's keep praying for revelation. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. I thought I would say a lot more things today, but maybe not many. Okay, so it says, It is the glory of God to conceal the matter. And our glory as kings to what? To search it out. We've got to search and find revelation. Are you with me? Search it out. It's part of it. You've got to search it out. When I was much, when I was much younger, spiritually speaking... I would, I would take a prophecy and get excited and never search it out. She said, oh, God is going to do this. Hallelujah. I'm excited. Oh, my God. What a word. Eh? I was given a powerful word. You've got to search it out. There's a lot hidden in the word you were given. A lot. You know when Isaiah prophesied about Jesus being the man of sorrows, he never prophesied that Jesus was going to turn water into wine. There's a lot hidden. 
He never prophesied that one day a woman is going to touch him and an issue of blood is going to cease. There's no prophecy about that. He, huh? There's a lot of detail. You've got to search it out. Otherwise, you just have a shelf full of prophecies about you gathering dust. You say, I don't know. Maybe one day it will happen. And then you say, just call all everyone false prophets now. You know? Ah, he's a false prophet. He told me this, it has not happened. Ah, he's, <laughs> he's not. Hmm? God hides his word in his glory. When God speaks of what he's about to do, our role is to search it out. This way, we participate in the glorious life. Uh-huh. Proverbs 12, 27, another proverb says this. I, I have, if those of you that have been part of this church for a while, you know there was a time I used to quote this proverb quite a lot. The lazy do not roast any game, but the diligent feed on the riches of the hunt. For understanding, I'm going to read the passion. A passive person won't even complete a project, but a passionate person makes good use of his time, wealth, and energy. So he says, a lazy hunter does not roast his game. So a guy goes hunting, kills the animal, and, and, and he's lazy. He doesn't have time to sit down and process the meat. You remember the story of Esau? Coming from the hunt, yet you're hungry. No time to sit down and process what he's carrying. He says, what is it worth to me? Give me the already processed Process is part of taking part in the glorious life. If you don't respect process, if you don't become passionate about process, you will not participate in the things God is doing. Because especially when you're dealing with God, you can never run away from process. You know? My father, I loved my dad. You know, he, 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 he was meticulous in everything he did. You know, he was like really meticulous. You know, like when he does these things, you know, no shortcuts, okay? My father is the kind of man that would follow a manual, you know? Like follow it, you know, when he's assembling something. Like it must be followed because it was written for a reason, he would say. You know? And, 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 and he would just know that very meticulous, you know? If we put chairs... In a certain way, you know, very particular, very particular with stuff. You know, if you, if if you, if he finds, if he sends you to give him a knife and you give him a knife the way you're not supposed to give him a knife, you get a lesson. You know, if he finds a knife lying somewhere in the house, you get a lesson. You know, uh, I'm not like that, am I? <laughs> but he was like that, you know. So it was, as a child, it was a bit boring to work with him, if you get what I mean. Because everything must be done straight. You know, when you're cutting the grass, you must cut it that way. And, and you know, and, and, and he does it like this. And, and, and he's either do it that way or don't. You know, he's okay with it. Don't do it. Don't touch it then. You know? <laughs> it was like that. Process. He was a respecter of process. Like, oh, man. But you see... Being passionate about process 
is very important. And because it's process will help you participate in the things God is doing. Somebody said yesterday, and, and, and I borrow from them, they said that one of the keys of, of, of creating a prophetic uh, culture is, is also learning to stay and keep showing up, be faithful, keep doing what you must be doing. That's all. I know you're believing God for mountains, but if what you have right now is a hill, keep tending to that hill. Keep showing up every day because it's part of process. And in these instant days of instant what, instant that, instant this, instant this, instant this, microwaves and all that, people are disrespecting process a lot. And what are we saying now about processed meats? Careful, they're carcinogenic. Eh? First of all, they teach you to ignore process. They don't, you know, we'll cook for you. Just come to the aisles of Tesco, we have cooked already, ready made, you know. Everything, you know, just stick it in the microwave. Ding, 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 ding. I lost it. <laughs> you know, and we'll cook for you. And then now they're telling you, Surgeon, Gen Surgeon General's warning, right? Some of these processed meats are not good for you. Yeah, because the problem is they are processed. <laughs> processed things are not always good for you. God wants you to go through process. In processing your meat, you also get processed. Yeah, you learn how to use the knife. <laughs> no, I've got nothing against ready, you know, ready-made foods. Just in case you come to my house and you find me throwing something in the microwave. How was the you were preaching? <laughs> but what I mean is, there's it, culturally, process is being removed. We're trying as much as possible to remove process. You know? Because we are going somewhere very fast. We don't know where, but, but the world is simply going somewhere very fast. You know? And now people have created this, uh, this emergency, right? You know, millennials, take care of this one. You know, this, this emergency they have created of, uh, of extinction rebellion. You know? This thing is not ending because of that. If it ends, it's because of what Jesus said. Now, we can give it a name. We can call it global warming or whatever. You know the floods of Noah? Yeah, we can call it the cyclone, right? Or hurricane, sorry, it's much bigger. Yeah, you can call it... You can call it whatever. You know? But the, the, everybody should react. Nobody's going to stop what this world is headed towards. There's a different story altogether. You know, so too, please don't join Extinction Rebellion. <laughs> Tomorrow I find you on top of a train. <laughs> or you fly all the way to, to, to New York to be part of the protest. So why did you fly? So, <laughs> you walk to New York, you know. Then we know you're serious. Okay. <laughs> okay, I come away from it. But process is very important, right? So he says, the, the, the lazy one does not roast their game. They don't respect process. And they cause them lazy. You know God calls laziness wickedness. Yes. That passive person will not complete any project. So how do you kick out the disrespect of process? 
Learn to finish whatever you start. I need to give you that advice. There's no point in beating yourself and oh me, I'm like this, you know, I start three books, I never finish. Just, just work on it. Decide, you know. When I start a book, I'm going to finish it. Yeah. Even little things like that? Yeah, very important. You start reading a book, because it's very possible to start this one, excited, excited, because you bought it at a conference. Two days later, three days later, till you see another one. On seed drops. <laughs> ah, I'm getting that one. And then another one says, audiobook. Oh, audiobooks are great. I'm getting another one. You listen for five minutes. Two days, you're done. You start so many books, you finish none. Go back. Finish one at least. Then the next one. Then the next one. Are you with me? Because it, it, this process is very important to respect completing things. A person who learns to complete things, learns to complete all things. A person who lives, there's, there's no way you can say, oh me, I'm, I'm a good finisher. You know, I, I, I you know, me, Alpha and Omega, I start, I finish. <laughs> but only, but certain things you don't finish. You've got so many unfinished projects. This is how I catch myself sometimes that my head is not in the right place right now. When I just look around and I realize, that I didn't finish, that I didn't finish, that I said I'll finish, I didn't finish, that. Ay, there's too many things I haven't finished. I need to sort myself out. Because you always have to keep on top of that. To always know, like, no, no, no. What I start, I finish, just like my father in heaven. Yeah? Our father in heaven never leaves an issue unfinished. Yeah, that's, that's what the Bible says. He, he has promised he would do it. He who began a good work in you shall bring it until accomplishment. God finishes. So we catch the same. Not a lazy hunter. Hello. If we are going to participate in the glorious life that God is releasing over our lives, are you understanding these things? We need to learn to search out the matter. Two, we need to kick laziness out by learning to be people that finish the things that, that we start. Huh? See it through, man. Nobody told me the road would be easy. Here we go again, Tony. <laughs> See it through, man. You know, sometimes I was, I was speaking to, to Pastor Olorimi. I don't think she would mind me sharing this. Uh, I was speaking to her there, uh, last week because we, I, I walked into the prayer hub and she was like, Yeah, Pastor, one year of prayer hub. I'm like, Yeah, one year, man. How did we do this? And, you know, and, 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 and I, I can't understand how we did it. You know? We, we just said, let, let's, let's do this. Do you realize we are only doing about 10, 12 hours of prayer hub? Only because we've got venue constraints. The day we find a place for prayer hub is the day we move to 16 hours, 20 hours. Is the day we start building towards 24, 7. Okay? But we've started. But, so I said, how did we do this? And then, and then she started sharing her story. Joseph, you were there, right? And she started sharing her story of how at some point she thought, no, I can't do this anymore. Because we don't pay her for prayer. And, and she couldn't do it anymore because the finances were tough. And she just thought, I can't do it anymore. And, 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 and she was struggling. 
And she would turn up still. Just turn up. Turn up. Turn up. And God said to her, this one you will finish. I spoke to you and you will continue. Your supply will come from elsewhere. And she got up. Now, I've been through things like that before, so I understand. At that point, it doesn't matter that God has spoken to you. Your feelings don't change. You still feel like, do I have to? Because in our car in the morning, 6 o'clock, she's in here. Prayer half session, 2 hours, 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock sometimes, she goes up to 12, sometimes she does 3 sessions. One year. There's something about people who know how to finish things, to continue. You know, you press in. Our generation should be taught this, because our generation is, a, is, is about feelings, isn't it? It's about, I don't feel like today. <laughs> who cares whether you feel like or not? Do it. It's your job. That's how things are done. I mean, you get on the plane, you expect the pilot to fly the thing, whether he feels like or not. Yes. Fly it. I'm going to Kenya. <laughs> I care less about what happened in your house. Just fly the plane. But in the house of God, we need the same attitude, folks. We need it. We need to be people that, you know, like, like, that, that complete the things, that, that, that finish, that... We've already got game. So imagine Esau, he's got the meat. You've already got the meat. Don't be a lazy hunter. You know, it's, it's such an oxymoron, isn't it? Lazy hunter. You hunt and you are lazy. <laughs> it's like, huh? You, you, you hunted. I mean, that's the big deal. Like, yay, hey. But you're lazy. You, you're not going to roast the thing. Instead, you sell your birthright for soup. <laughs> Why did you go hunt it? <laughs> so we need to be, we've, we've got the greatest catch, the kingdom of God. Let's not be lazy. This is the greatest ever thing. The kingdom of God is in our lives. And we're going to sit down and complete these things. Come rain, come sunshine. I don't know, maybe I'm preaching this because I see winter is coming. <laughs> no, not really. But, but you get me. But, you know, come rain, come sunshine. Let's do these things. Let's get encouraged. Get up. I'm still going to praise it. I'm still going to pray. Now, some of the greatest times we, we have are actually in those days. Those days that don't feel like. Those days that you feel like a... I'm tired, man. Why do I have to go to this worship team rehearsal? <laughs> do you know how many worship team rehearsals I've done in my life? <laughs> so sometimes I will think about that. You know, I'm just being very honest. I've done so many worship team rehearsals. And I didn't expect that 42 I'll be still doing them. But I still do them. But I didn't expect because I started worship teams when I was about 15, 16. And, I, and I've done too many worship team races, but I, I didn't expect I'll be, I'll be sitting on a keyboard and leading worship at this age. I didn't expect that. And so there are times when you just go, 
counsel this one. <laughs> Especially if you've got some authority to counsel things. Because it's, it's, it's that easy, right? You can just text. It's so easy. It's just like, guys, we're not meeting today. And everybody says, yeah, the weather is really bad. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Like, on a side note, I'm finished. I appreciate what you guys did on Thursday. Because Thursday was not great weather. But we still saw that meeting through. And we saw what God did, right? It's amazing. But that's what it takes. We turned up. The weather was bad. We still turned up. We, we're here. We're here, you know? And that's what it takes. Sometimes I've seen God move in those moments when you feel like, ah, should I even be preaching today? I'm really tired, huh? I've done enough preaching. And, 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 and you turn up on a Sunday and you go, okay, let's see what God's going to do. And you stand here only because it's your job. That's, that, that stuff happens. And God slaps you in the face because he does something amazing. And you go, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, boss. Stay and keep doing what he has said you should do. Man your station. Doesn't matter. People begin to think, oh, your dream is small. They let them castigate you all they like. But man your station. You know your dream, Joseph. Just man your station. You came all this way to be a slave. You were sold. You, Joseph. And yet you have this big dream, and yet you have been sold worse by your own brothers. You are a slave now. Yes, wake up. Take care of Potiphar's stuff. Wake up every day. Take care. You know, and now you're in prison. Yes. Man your station. You hear me? Man your gate. What God has put in your heart. It doesn't matter whether we have called it out of you or we haven't yet called it out of you as leaders. It doesn't really matter. Just man your gate. Make sure your gate is manned. That's why you're here. So keep manning it. You're there. You, you're a watchman, whatever you are. Just man the gate. That's what's in your heart. That's what God has placed you here for. Only after a while will your leaders maybe see it sometimes and say, Oh man, this is what's in you. You know? I'm amazed at people who think leaders appoint leaders. We don't. And if God has made you a leader of anything, you know that. In your team, you don't appoint anyone as leader. They rise and you lay your hands on them. It's as simple as that. People rise by themselves. They begin to do things. They man their gate. And you as a leader has no choice but to pray and say, God, is this the one? And God says, yes. See, I have blessed them. I have put my spirit on them. Can't you see what they're doing? And so you as a leader now have, you have to appoint them. But you don't. Jesus appoints his own. Are you with me? So just keep busy manning your station. Whatever station God has given, just man it. Whatever is in your heart, stay there. Stay faithful. Let me finish. My time is gone. Keep manning your gate. That's what I'm saying. You don't know why you... Well, you know, if, if, if that's your portion, God is, you know, God is waking you up. You're praying for people you, who don't even care about you. It's okay. Keep
keep manning that gate. Things are going to come through and then you will see. You're praying for other people's businesses or marriages and you're saying, well, but what about mine? It's okay. Keep going as the Spirit is leading you. Man your gate. Let's finish. Let's stand up, please. Man your gate. Hallelujah. You are partakers of the glory of God. You and me and everything we have, we are partakers of the life of God. Nothing that carries your name, nothing that is even remotely associated with you should be excluded from this. You are partakers of the glory of God. I'm telling you. So rise up and be a prophet and enter into a place where you begin to declare the things that God has said he will do. If I were you, I would begin to practice my intercession. I would be saying, God, do this thing, do this thing. Then I will be getting up and I will begin to declare, you move, mountain, move, mountain, move, mountain, move. Like Jesus. Jesus entered the temple in Jerusalem and he wasn't praying anymore. When he entered the temple, he kicked them out. He says, this is a house of prayer for all nations. And, and then he kicks them out. You declare the word of God to your situation. Don't just stop at God. Please, will you do this? Will you do this? Don't stop there. The season has shifted. Get in the valley of dry bones. See the dry bones and say, you bones are going to leave. Here. And speak life. Speak life. So you pray. You in, and then you, you begin to get into a place of speaking life. You will live in a future that you're declaring. You will live in a future that you're declaring. As you continue to declare, you will live in it. You will live in it. And God will receive the glory. Father, we thank you for today.